Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Urich. I am the founder of 1000 Hours Outside and just so pleased and honored to be sitting across from Amber Johnston. Um, Do people call you the heritage mom? Yeah, they do. A lot of times people say, um, like, I know what's your name again. I know your heritage mom. So I actually love it. Oh, I love that too. So Amber um, and I got to meet in person. We've been friends on social media for a long time. We got to meet in person last year at the Wild and Free Conference. And it was such a treat to meet you, Amber. Yeah, um, thanks for being here. Thank you so, so very much for having me. I'm so excited. I was thinking about it all day. <laughs> yeah, we got all sorts of stuff to talk about. Um, so Amber, uh, her Instagram handle is Heritage Mom Blog, uh, correct? Yes. And then your website, though, is just heritagemom.com. And that's really, that's a cool, it's a really cool URL that you snagged there. I know. Uh, I was excited. Yeah, it's easy to spell. And heritagemom.com. Let me read your bio for everyone. I love it. Um, We're going to be talking about all sorts of things today. Education and kids. And Amber's got a new book coming out. Amber Johnston fell in love with the principles of Charlotte Mason when her oldest was a preschooler. After wholeheartedly committing to following Mason's philosophy, She became disheartened when months went by with little mention, if any, of the stories and accomplishments of black people in her schoolroom. The literary quality of the books was better, but she found that the cultural emptiness she experienced as a schoolgirl was being perpetuated within the walls of her own home. Committed to bridging the gap for her four children, Amber has embarked on a journey of uniquely merging living books with life-giving books to ensure that their education is not a legalistic venture in home education, but an onyx experience that honors the truth while helping her children to see themselves um, to see themselves in others. Amber speaks, writes, and shares her observations on inclusive and culturally rich home education, family history, life-giving books, the beauty of homemaking, global travel, and so much more. Your website has so much on it. And when asked about her path, she likes to smile and say, in my house, Charlotte Mason has an afro. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You, you have so much to offer. You know, when I was perusing your website, and you talk about those subtitles there, but you have stuff about world schooling and books and and home education and just parenting and marriage and um, you know what a, what a gift to us all that you've put so much time and effort into sharing yourself and offering. I mean, there's so many free resources and things to learn on your website and other other things as well. So. Um, Amber, you want to tell us just a little bit about yourself, um, your uh, your journey, you know, this starting in the preschool with your oldest and, and your journey a little bit to where you're at now? Sure. Yeah. I live in Georgia with my husband, Scott. We have four kids. They are 12, 10, 8, and 6. Girls are older. The boys are younger. Um, and we are home educators. And um, basically I started and I was never planning to do anything crazy like that. And the first time my husband suggested that we homeschool, I started laughing. I thought he was joking cause he's like a big jokester, but here we are years later and wow. we are enjoying it. Um, and you know, our journey started out pretty smoothly. Everything was going well. Um, but, uh, when my daughter was smaller, my oldest daughter was smaller, she kind of started exhibiting some of these issues um, that uh, I've since found out that a lot of families of color experience. Or she was talking about like 
that she didn't like her skin. She didn't like her hair and all of these things. And so through a series of conversations and a lot of stuff there, I found that basically I was really replicating exactly what other families were doing with their kids in terms of how they were um, nurturing them, the home atmosphere, the lessons in the books, and what my daughter's response to me seeing that that wasn't working well for us taught me was that there's so many great places to get ideas, but ultimately I am her mother and Mm -hmm. that I have to create a home and learning opportunities and um, just an atmosphere that works for my children. So um, that really changed a lot for me because now I have the freedom to get these awesome ideas from so many different sources um, and I use them, but in my mind, I'm always looking to put my own seasoning on it. Right. So I was like, yeah, that looks good. That recipe is good, but I got to tweak it because I know my family likes a little of this and a little of that. And it's just Mm -hmm. been really beautiful. And that's kind of what started Heritage Mom, me wanting to share with other people that we can all um, use some of the same ideas, but that it doesn't have to look the same way in each home. Hmm. That's really beautiful. And so, okay, so the two of us are home educators and, um, you know, I think um, a lot of these ideas though, are pertinent for any family. You know, it's it's parenting, and um, you know, and I think in in certain ways we're all home educating just for different amounts of time. And so I think that families that are listening, no matter you know what their educational situation is at the moment, I think that there's lots lots to get out of this, and really so much to find at Heritage Mom. Um, and you also have speaking of of uh, adding your own flavor, you have a book coming out um, in just a few months called A Place to Belong, uh, and it just sounds so beautiful. I'm pre-ordering. I can't wait to read it. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, Like you said, it's called A Place to Belong and Celebrating Diversity and Kinship in the Home and Beyond. And I love the point that you brought up that we're home educators, but a lot of these ideas apply to everyone. My book is written for all parents, um, and it really gives us an opportunity to um, dive into the value of a home atmosphere and how important what we're doing with our children Um is in terms of creating children who will become change makers, children who will find it easier to spend time with and build relationships and work on the behalf of and alongside people who are similar and different. Um, and so the whole book was written with the premise that, you know, right now we're having, we have so much racial strife and religious arguments and political division, and it can be really stressful. And I thought about it more and more, all the friends that I have that were all so different in so many ways, but yet we all connect on just a couple of ideas. And that is we love our children and we want the best for our communities. And I thought, why don't we start there? And instead of looking for this, like everyone has to think just like me in order for us to be on the same page. And I'm like, we are on the same page. And so the book talks about how all of us can help our children to really see themselves in our homes, to feel rooted in, within their family space with the idea that plants and trees with deep roots grow wide branches and they will then branch out to other people. And so that's where the idea of the diversity and inclusion, yes, but with the, the reason, the rationale being that we're looking for that kinship, that authentic kinship. So 
That's what it's about. Beautiful. (laughs) I can't wait to read it. I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Um, You just put out such beautiful resources and and very thought provoking and and very helpful. So so you are this um, Charlotte Mason expert in my world. Um, and I know you are in a lot of people's worlds. And so um, for those who may not have heard of Charlotte Mason, which maybe is most people, I, d- I don't really know. Um, I had never heard of her either. My story, Amber, is that um, a friend of mine told me about her when her kids were also in preschool. And so she was, must've been like you, like reading ahead. I wasn't doing any of that. I was like, not really paying attention. And she says, Charlotte Mason says kids should be outside for four to six hours whenever the weather is tolerable uh, outside in nature. And so that was my first foray into Charlotte Mason. And I thought it was like an outlandish idea. Um, But it really turned out to be an idea that changed the course of our entire family. I had no idea at the time that Charlotte Mason was from the 1800s. um, and so since it's been this uh, really cool un- unveiling of someone who's from the 1800s who has tenants that still apply today. And so um, in preparation for our podcast, I was planning on reading all six of the books, but I didn't. <laughs> I didn't do it, Amber. I only oh, got through. They're it meaty. Takes people years to read those. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that makes me feel better because I read the first. Then I was going to read like the first and the last, and then I'm like, I only got through the first one. That's all right. Um, but uh, are you would are you comfortable kind of telling people just a little bit about Charlotte Mason and and sort of your path to her and why her ideas um, kind of stuck with you and and for your family, your kids. Sure. So she was a British educator in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And um, she basically wrote six volumes along with some other writing, but those six volumes kind of lay out her philosophy of education, Um, not just home education, but also um, there were schools that were using her philosophy to educate children. And she had a teacher's training school as well. So she, um, for a long time, um, kind of her teaching had kind of gone to the wayside. People weren't talking about it as much, but there was a resurgence here, especially in the United States, which is funny, um, years ago with people who grabbed hold of it and brought it back through their writing um, to kind of reignite the idea that, hey, these principles are worth looking into. And it took off, not just within the homeschooling community, but also um, with schools that are now Charlotte Mason-based schools um, where children can go as well. So the ideas, um, she has these 20 principles, plus there are, those are the kind of the explicit principles, but there are also some implicit principles, you know, that you'll find throughout her reading, throughout her writing. And she really focused on the idea of a child being a born person. um, That children are whole people and that they're not just for us to just pour into them like a little encyclopedia and get them to repeat things back to us, but that the learning is theirs. They own it. And we're really guides. Um, And, you know, she believed that what a child got um, and took in on their own was theirs to keep in terms of their learning. And I felt that that was really beautiful. The way I personally came to her late night nursing session, you know, that's the best time to read. I had a baby on the breast and 
I was just kind of going through my crazy husband was like, oh, we should try this homeschooling thing. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> what does that even look like? And um, I had been reading Richard Liu's Last Child in the Woods at the time. And so as I was going through, I ran across some article on some blog in the middle of the night and they had these different homeschooling philosophies or different styles. And Charlotte Mason came up and this idea of spending this time in nature um, <laughs> and putting the child in place of, uh, of, you know, learning about the universe and through their time spent out outdoors. And one of those ways was because I was totally enthralled with this idea of the last child in the woods. So those two things came together. I was reading those books at the same time and they kind of came together for me. Um, I feel like she added the, you know, skin that I could something that I could follow along with and really try to understand like who I am as a parent and what mm -hmm. our family would be like while having this foundation that I was already sold out on in terms of my children are going to have a slow childhood. We're not going to start formal lessons until later. They're going to spend most of their time outdoors. And so that's kind of how I got into it. Isn't that neat, Amber, yeah. that, you know, your it was your husband's idea yeah. Right. You yes. have you, and you hopped on board, though, you know, and and really, you know, pushed push the envelope forward. And now you're a leader in the space and just influencing so many others. I saw on your website that you offer um, uh, phone consultations. And, yeah. um, and I was reading through just so many of these beautiful reviews that people left, you know, after their phone consultations with you. And uh, so isn't it neat when life comes full circle like that? I mean, it it's been, it's been probably what, about a decade. Yeah, it's totally and and not I that long. I could not have, yeah. I could never have planned this. You know what I mean? This right. Is the path right. That I'm on, but I was, I was, you know, funny. My parents were both um, public school principals. So wow. yeah, I've experienced both. And I think that's part of like, why I wanted to write to everybody in the book, because I can say like, Oh, I had a beautiful childhood and I'm giving my children a beautiful childhood regardless, mm -hmm. you know, of my yeah. you know, educational choices, but it's been a wild ride. And my husband teases me all the time. He was like, okay, heritage mom who didn't. Even want <laughs> He's uh, like, do I get some credit? <laughs> yes. And I'm like, yes, baby. You get all oh, the credit. It's funny. You said his name. I'm like, I've never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, so okay. So Charlotte Mason, that cleared some stuff up for me. She, um, uh, like I said, I knew she was from the 1800s. Now these books are these books are really good. Well, I mean, I'm sure they are. I only read one. <laughs> School, I've seen all the quotes. School education, ourselves, a philosophy of education. Do you have a favorite? Um, probably home education. Mm -hmm. Is that the first one? Parents mm -hmm. and children. Home education and then formation of character. My hands are running out of space here. But yeah. um, what I thought was interesting, Amber, is that um, people have been grappling with the education of children for a very long time. That's um, very true. And now some of the topics that jumped out at me, and I know she has her 20 principles, but but one of the topics that really jumped out at me is is really twofold. One is sort of this over-scheduling um, and sort of expecting too much of the wrong things. Mm -hmm. And then um, the other is just learning through life. And these are things I think we're still grappling with. Yeah. And those are the things that were speaking life to me. You know, it's, it's, I, I try to tell people when I first encountered her teachings, it wasn't like I was an empty vessel and she 
I'm like, oh, I, I, I've never heard of any of this. And this sounds great. I'll do that. What it was, was that she gave words for the mm. things that were in my heart. And yeah. so she talked about, you know, she talks about short lessons with these younger children. They get longer as they get older, but I mean, yes, I look at my children and yes, short lessons get their full attention for this moment. And, you know, the idea that um, it's the ideas, right? We're not just looking for our children to regurgitate things that we think they should know, but we're going to put them in, in contact with some of the great thinkers and beautiful writing and wonderful books and let those speak to our children. So it's like mm -hmm. giving them a level of respectful autonomy in terms of owning their learning. Um, so not giving them these multiple choice tests and kind of true false gotcha moment, you know, kind of like yeah. you can get it, but allowing them the opportunity to narrate. And so what did you get from it? You know, tell me about it. And us being able to have that discussion um, and that the whole world, you know, she, she talks about a feast and all of the parts of the feast. Um, one other thing that I think is really great um, is that she talked about not um, prioritizing certain subjects over others, but hmm. to spread them all for the child and let and see where the child goes with that. And I think that's so important right now. Uh, one time, one of my daughters said to me, she said, mommy, I, I don't really love some of the STEM things. And she's like, well, I still be able to be successful. When the skies open up, while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody, and my vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessi's Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com slash outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I.com slash outside for 15% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit betterhelp.com slash 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 1000 hours. 
And I thought, wow, the message that she's gotten. And one of my kids totally loves that, but just that she has to do something a certain way or, or bust. And Charlotte Mason would say, no, that we are saying that there are worthy areas to pursue um, across the board and none are more important than the others. Yeah. Well, and I think your Instagram does such a a beautiful job of showcasing that. Like I saw a post very recently that your daughter had, maybe your your oldest one, I'm not sure, had made a bunch of dolls. Yes. um, And, and they're beautiful. And so, I mean, that's such a worthy pursuit of doll making. And you think about how much you would learn, but that doesn't even necessarily really matter. You know, you found something that, you know, was joy filled and, um, you know, that meant something to you. Uh, Well, yeah, that's another part of it. You know, Charlotte Mason talks about handicrafts and the importance mm -hmm. of children learning to make useful things with their hands. So, you know, she's been sewing since she was six and we're doing, do other things and the wood whittling and the, you know, wood burning and crocheting and all of these different things. Not that I'm looking for my kids to become master artisans in any of these things, but to understand what it's like to create with your hands. And for me, I think that that ties us back also to those generations that came before us and, you know, given a a head nod because we kind of lost some of that for a generation Mm -hmm. or two. And so I, I value seeing my children with their hands in the dirt, planting and creating and making. And so the fact that, you know, she started the dolls when she was 11, she just turned 12, that she can sit down at a sewing machine or with a hand, you know, needle in her hand and create something beautiful, I think is important. A way to, to bring yeah. joy, you know? Well, and what I like in particular about that post is that then people, I think you had said something like people were asking about ordering them, which is, yeah. which was a thought that ran through my mind too. Like, Oh, I don't want to buy some of those dolls. Yeah. And she, she wasn't interested. And, and I think, you know, or at least not at that time. And I think yeah. that's really cool too, to have a hobby for the sake of having a hobby or to create art for the sake of creating art and not feeling like this has to become a career or now I have to monetize. Um, it's, it's really neat when children are so confident, you know? So confident. And also, yeah. I mean, I also love, you know, I told her, I appreciate that you feel like we have the type of relationship that you could tell me no. Yes. <laughs> because I really wanted her to do that. And I really wanted her to do more. <laughs> I was like, you get it. Etsy shop. Like I had it all planned because the dolls are simply gorgeous, they are. but you know, she just wasn't interested. Um, and she really uh, values joy being joy-filled and not being stressed. She resists over-scheduling. She likes that leisure time to kind of just pursue her own projects. She's a project girl. My other daughter is a bag lady. She always has a bag with some stuff in it, you know, but (laughs) she's a project girl and she always has projects, personal projects going on. And, and, you know, I'm thankful for that, that she has interests Mm -hmm. and that she feels comfortable and she can go and sit somewhere for hours and enjoy herself and she can also be around other people and be happy. So I'm thinking, wow, that's a real gift, but I get challenged at times where people are trying to understand kind of the Charlotte Mason education. Cause they're like, well, what subject is that though? You know? Mm. And well, but what about college? You know, what about her mm. SAT and everything like that? And so I try to, f- I find myself sometimes explaining um, my goals for my children. Um, are for them to leave my home as whole 
people um, who know themselves, who feel honored, and who are ready to pursue all manner of things. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I try not to get too tied down in exactly how that's going to correlate on paper. Yeah. Well, like you said, and I like how Charlotte Mason, I mean, I think that idea of a feast is so, um, like the image of that conjures up is so exciting that life, basically that life has so much for us to, you know, it offers us so much. And, um, you know, if they leave our homes, looking at life in an excited way, you know, and like you said, being whole and being rooted, um, you know, that they're going to be just fine, even if it wasn't heavily on STEM or, you know, heavily math reading, whatever. Whatever it is that they are. You know, Charlotte Mason said that it's not so much when our children leave our homes, it's not so much what they know when they come to the end, but how much they care. Mm, and I grab hold of that. It is. And, you know, we have to fight against that because I'm a human just like anyone else. And, you know, I, I would love my kid to get the blue ribbon and the bumper sticker, mm-hmm. you know, and all of those things. Too. Yes. But yes. I, I think about um, when those feelings come up in me, I try to, to remember that I, those are things that I'm looking for that validation to feel good about myself, yeah. but I want to prioritize the children and yeah. say like, you know, Amber, that's not what's most important. It feels good when people are like, Oh, your kid did this or your kid did that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes my kids not doing anything that anyone, most of the time, my kids are not doing things that anyone wants to give an award for. And, you know, it's taken a long time for me to say that that's okay. And not only is it okay, it's great. It's great for yeah. them. Well, even if you think about the one situation with the dolls, you know, to, to the, a couple of things that you said, first of all, that she can, she can enjoy her own company basically is what you were saying. She can be with other people, but she can also be alone. And that's a huge thing. You know, that's not something that you get a grade for, you know, and that, and that she knows herself enough to say, I, I don't want to sell them. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I did it for this purpose or, I mean, those are huge, immeasurable, um, but largely important things um, that I think so often we gloss over. I agree. It's so easy to do. And I think that's where you start getting into the idea of approaching your home atmosphere and having a philosophy about what type of um, environment you want, what type of culture you want in your home. And I feel like that's where I've really gone deeply down that path. And yes, we have the writing and reading and all of those things. My kids can read and they know how to do math and all of those. I mean, I'm not saying that that's not important, but it's just that I spend my days thinking about um, what my children are experiencing within the realm of their home and also me as a mother and my husband too, you know, this is our home as well. So um, that's been very different for me because when I first started out on this journey, you know, I told you late at night and I'm doing all the research. I definitely was like, how to teach math. You know, I, I thought yeah. that those were going to be all the important things. And I found that none of those are the things that rise to the top. Those aren't the things that keep me up at night. And those aren't the things that bring my family the most joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And it's like a spark, you know, the fact that she can make dolls and I know I'm really focusing on that, but it, it just, it just popped through and it really, 
I don't know. You know, sometimes things really stick in your soul. I think it was so cool that you said people want to buy them. And she was like, no, thanks. <laughs> like, that's awesome. My husband said, he was like, uh, that's because she doesn't need anything. She doesn't know what it's like to want. Because she was like, that was, you know, she the money just, it's, yeah, not, yeah. A, it's not a driver for her. Right. But maybe yeah. some, you know, and maybe someday if it were, she's got these skills to fall back on. And sure. um, it's really, really touching to me to see, a chil- you know, to see children that are so confident, you know, and, and know, you know, know what know what they're putting out in the world. So um, one of my favorite, I have a couple favorite Charlotte Mason quotes, even though I've only read the first book. Okay. But one of them um, I wanted to talk about, talks about, well, this is what's so wild to me is I feel like this could have been written today. It says a great deal has been said lately about the danger of overpressure of requiring too much mental work from a child of tender years. The danger exists, but not, but lies not in giving the child too much, but in giving him the wrong thing to do. The sort of work for which the present state of his mental development does not fit him. And then here's where, here's where the, uh, you know, the time difference shows up. She says, who expects a boy in petticoats to lift half a hundred weights? So then you're like, okay, I'm not reading something that's current. I'm reading something that's a little older. And she says, but give the child work that nature intended for him and the quantity he can get through with ease is practically unlimited. Whoever saw a child tired of seeing, of examining in his own way, unfamiliar things. I mean, except for the petticoats. Yes, except, except minus the petticoats. No, but is that? I mean, who could deny that, right? I mean, we've all seen our children. We've seen we've we've all experienced trying to kind of coerce our kids to do something that they don't want to do, and how disconnected they are. It's a battle, um, and nothing comes of that. It's never fruitful. It's always usually something a control thing with us. Mm. But then. We've also experienced trying to pull a child away from something that they're really interested in. You can't. Yeah. And I mean, I know you, I'm sure you've experienced this where your kid's really into something and they, they can't stop talking about it. They mm-hmm. tell you every detail about it. They learn all the things about it all on their own, right? Yeah. <laughs> At you, despite you, whatever. Right, right. Um, and I think that um, the biggest thing for me and other parents is, are we going to trust this hmm. idea? that everything will work out in the end. Because what you're saying, when you embrace a Charlotte Mason education, what you um, essentially are saying is that you're going to bow out of the rat race. And that's a big deal, you know, because you're saying like, well, well, what, what, what's going to happen? And um, everybody else is going to be doing all these things and their kids are going to be doing all that at this pace at this time. And I'm going to be over here doing it differently. And Mm -hmm. will my kids be okay? And, and, you know, I like to tell people your kids will be okay. They'll be more than okay. Um, yeah. I can't imagine, you know, doing things differently. I don't have to follow Charlotte Mason, but even without her, I can't imagine um, jumping back into, you know, a super competitive, overscheduled, crazed lifestyle. Yeah. And how interesting that, you know, that people in the 1800s were struggling with the same thing. You know, it makes you feel, (laughs) yeah, it makes you feel not alone for sure. Um, to know that we've been grappling with the same, you know, the same issues uh, for quite a while. Are there, are there things in these books that people do consider outdated? You know, um, like I, there, I read a whole, well, I skimmed through it because I was rushing (laughs) about making sure they learn French, you know, is, is there sort of this general sense that, 
um, you know, we move past some of it and we're just kind of taking like these 20 main principles or, or certain things like that. Okay. So you kind of have different schools of thought. You have people who are die hard, like okay. they think they are Charlotte. Like you could call me Charlotte, you know, if they could, they dress like her. And so that is one area where they are trying to, you know, they research and replicate using the exact same books that she used in, you know, her, with her students, with their kids and doing the exact same timetables or school schedules. And that's wow. one thing. And like, I like to like, get like my food and my latte and like watch that. Cause it's cool. I'm like, that's like reality TV. I'm like, that's really neat that you're like replicating that, but that didn't work for me. It was horrendous. Right. It was horrible. And so there are also, there's also the idea, and this is kind of what I'm trying to lead that we can take the ideas and we can bring them forward to the 21st yeah. century and apply them to our time and place to the little people who are looking at us right now. And that's not to throw shade at people who are wanting to replicate exactly because my thing is what that might work for them. Who am Mm -hmm. I to say I'm not in their home? But what I want to say is if that's not your thing, it's okay. Because there was a time and you still hear this sometimes where people are like, oh, well, she's not a pure Charlotte Mason mom, or she's not really. Oh no. (laughs) You know, those things. And I think that's where I'm like hard. Heritage mom is right here telling you, Charlotte Mason yeah. got Afro in my house, so I'm not doing it the right way. So <laughs> if you want to come over here and talk to me, you can come talk to me. I love on you. So I, just- <laughs> I love that. I spoke at a Charlotte Mason conference and I have, I really only had done like the one sentence. I'd only done the four to six hour sentence. I was like, oh, I'm out of my element here. <laughs> but I do love that, that you can take principles. And I, you know, one of the ones she talks about um, I don't know if people have favorites from the 20, but um, I, I really like this concept that education is an atmosphere um, and that kids learn from real things in the real world. Uh, you know, I think, I think kids are, they're siphoned off a little bit, you know, from the real world. And, um, you know, I know you have stories and, and I would have stories of, you know, when your kid is out in the real world and they're interacting with people and nature and things that, um, that they're learning so much, uh, I'm not yeah. going anywhere with that. I've got nothing. No, it's fine. I mean, I think that's the idea. And for me, yes, there's, I mean, I, I'm a board member of the Charlotte Mason Institute. I love me some Charlotte Mason. So yeah, I know this awesome, is a Amber. major part of who I am. But at the same time, before I am a follower of Charlotte Mason, I am Amber. And I never make, I make sure that those never go out of order. She's a mentor of mine, but she's not God to me. And so I think that that's like a, um, an important point, because even as you look at the 20 principles or or you try to apply them, you're going to run up against things. We're, we're not living in England. Charlotte Mason didn't have any children. Bless her. It was well, great. Yes. I mean, yes. I know. I read one of the sentences I read in the book was like, it was talking about that children should have the best of their mothers, which I thought was really inspiring. I, you know, I, I haven't heard many people say that. And uh, it, it challenged me to think about my role differently. And, um, 
you know, but then, you know, I don't know, within the same book, it also talks about how so-and-so's figuring out the meal and the governess and the, and I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute, yes. kids would have a better me if I, you know, if I didn't also have those responsibilities. That's it. I mean, we aren't living the life that she was writing about and we have yeah, to be yeah. willing to, you know, talk about that. There are things like she talks about, you know, how much you not like not reading too much to children in the early years or whatever. And I mean, we have something oh. called research that that's important science and research. Yeah. And I think that, um, it's very important to me to, to not take every single thing that she wrote super literal, but to look at the idea behind it. Like, what is she saying? Why is she saying that? And, you know, let me expand that to my world and see how that applies. So yeah. I don't feel guilty. Like I didn't do this exact thing. Like she said, it's sometimes I'm like, nah, Charlotte, not today, honey. Um, you know, I'm just not, that's not going to yeah. work. I don't, I don't want to do that. I, whatever gives me the uh, um, authority as a mother that tells me that this is not right for me, but in general, the ideas, the broad mm. ideas, those large principles, they resonate. Um, and, you know, even when you talk, you know, you mentioned about the feast, that's where the idea of me seasoning things in my house for my family came from this idea. She, she talks about food a lot. I'm a registered dietitian. Like it resonates with me and yes, you spread the feast, but a feast at my house is different than a feast at your house. I mean, mm -hmm. our families have their own flavor and we have different backgrounds and mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we have different things that light us up and our children do as well. Yeah. Um, so I think that, um, I, I kind of reverse this. I heard, um, uh, one of my friends, she said that really a Charlotte Mason purist isn't the person who's trying to replicate exactly what she did, but a purist, her name's Leah Bowden, my friend, she said more of like the purist is more, um, the person who can take her principles and apply them the way she intended for them to be applied. Mm. Right. And wow. so in that way, I like to say, yeah, I am a purist. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. It's interesting to know about a philosophy of education. You know, <laughs> did you ever expect, you know, like, you know, when you become a parent, I don't think you ever think, oh, someday I'm going to, you know, know all about these different philosophies. But, um, you know, parents are listening, you know, whether you're a home educator or, or not, you know, we all have this realm of influence within our home. And so Charlotte Mason just has a lot of ideas. I, you know, she, ta he, she talks about, I love this one too, children learn from things. Uh, she talks about how older people learn from words, but kids learn from things. And she said, we set the child to learn from words in the same way and find him dull and slow. Um, but you set him face to face with a thing and he is 20 times as quick as you are, you know, to learn about it. And um, she says, knowledge of things flies to the mind of a child as steel fillings to a magnet. You know, so these are these are things for any family. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think and once you start getting into it, I mean, this like I said, the subjects, they work themselves out. Those are important, but it's really the. I keep coming back to that. She says it's an atmosphere, a discipline and a life 
it's that aspect and that can be applied to any family. We have, you know, I have friends who are using these principles um, within their churches, within their schools, you know, um, and in any type of environment where they're working with children. Um, and honestly, I, I use a lot of it with myself as well in terms of the things that wow. I learned about, you know, how I learn and what I choose to read, how I choose to spend my time. Um, and, you know, she talks about that things would be a lot, a lot better in a lot of situations if, if moms would learn to go out and play. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chop's hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chop's price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com slash outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com slash outside120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com slash outside120 code outside 120. Eating better is easy with Factors delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just 2 minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including calorie smart, protein plus, and keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember to sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside 50 to get 50% off. That wow. was important to me. Like this whole idea of being this martyr, you know, where I lay down my life for my kids. And and yes, I, I would lay down my life for my kids, but also getting away for the day and going and hanging out with you or, mm-hmm. you know, grab, let's go grab a tea. Let's go on a hike. Let's go see a museum. Let's do whatever we want to do. Watch a movie mm-hmm. um, that we can come back refreshed and and better off for it. Um, we have to give our, you know, ourselves permission for those. I things. love that was, to yeah, go play. Was, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and then yeah, and then it's it's a good modeling for the kids too. That you know, John Holt talks about that too, like just modeling and like letting kids see, you know, letting them have a front row seat to to all these different fun things that life has to offer, and we're engaging in them too. Uh, one of the big things that Charlotte Mason talks about are these living books. 
And so I want to let, you know, families know that you have done such an amazing, um, amazing thing by providing book lists on your website and, and book clubs and, um, yeah, there's, there is so much on your website. I was, it's fantastic. Um, so, uh, and, and one of the things that you talk about is that, and I'm not sure if I, um, if I totally have the situation right, but that Charlotte Mason talks about learning through what are called living books, Mm -hmm. um, which are, you're learning through reading enjoyable things is it's not like a textbook. Um, but that some of the book lists that other people have written, maybe not Charlotte Mason herself, um, just have not had any diversity in them. And so, um, and so you, you are changing that for, for families. And, um, so can we, can we talk about that for a little bit about? Yeah. So I think it's, you know, the, the idea of living books is a huge aspect of a Charlotte Mason education. And so that's kind of what got me a little bit hung up early on, because in, when you look at um, people who have taken her ideas and blown them out into book lists and you search for one online, they are all books uh, by and about white people. And some of that in some cases could be intentional, you know, but a lot of it is because the books are old books and it's like looking for this like rich language and um, kind of classics. But Charlotte Mason didn't mean living books and classics. Those aren't the same exact things, but somehow that's what got put across through the Charlotte Mason community. And um, so, you know, when you look at, I even, you know, broke it down one time and I looked at the year when so many of these books were written and I was looking, what were black people doing that year? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, trying to survive, Um, you know, not being allowed to read or write. And so to say that a good, wonderful, beautiful education is based only on this one narrow type of book. And by definition, that narrow type of book excludes mostly all people of color if and if they are in there they're in major distress right. they're enslaved or they're in strife or they're fighting for their rights and civil rights and those are all really important books that we read a lot of in our house but like dude that's depressing you know yeah. i don't want my kids to just be like okay your choices are you can read you can be invisible or you can be chained Um, and so the idea came about that I, I started talking to people and I'm like, well, yeah, listen, my kids like to go on adventures. We, they have grandmas and they like puppies. They like to run and get dirty. They like to stomp in the Creek. They like to take trips and do all these things. They like mysteries, fantasies. They want to explore the world and climb through caves and all those things. And when they can never see themselves doing those things in their literary life, it speaks volumes and what it speaks is harmful. And yeah. so I was trying to talk about that and people were like, nope, nope, living books. No, I can't do it. And so I said, okay, well, listen, I'll change the word then. Then I think in my house, we're going to read life-giving books. And yeah, I love that. Um, those books are going to not have as many rules as what other people, not necessarily Mason herself, but other people have placed on it. Yeah. And these books that sing to my children's souls are going mm-hmm. to be allowed for that reason. And yeah that reason alone. Um, and so adding those in changed everything in my home. Yeah. And I'm, I, you know, I could be embarrassed for how, 
um, how much I didn't realize my kids needed to see themselves in our home, mm. not just in our books, but in the music, the poetry, the art, um, in, in our conversations, everything. But rather than be embarrassed, I just decided, you know what? I know I'm not the only one. So I'm just going to talk about what happened to me and yeah. talk about what, how I changed it and how beautiful it is now and say, Hey, I want to share with you what I used if you want to use it. Yeah. And admittedly, when I originally started writing, I was writing to other mothers of color. I was writing mostly to black moms and, or moms who had black children, but then all along I'm getting these comments and, you know, emails and people are recognizing places and on social media and they're talking to me and it's like a whole lot of white women. They're like, well, I want to read that with my kids too. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Like let's do it. You know? And I realized like, wow, even I was limiting my ideas of what I expected. I thought like only black moms would want their kids to read this black mm -hmm. stuff. Cause it's for my black kids. And these women showed me like I was so limiting and I was so wrong. And so then this community started to build of all of us and Definitely. we're all sharing ideas and like growing together. Our kids are all reading it. And it's like, to me, that's where my book was born with the mm. idea. I realized, okay, yes, you can focus on your child feeling seen and heard and your culture, whatever that may be in your home. And that's important, but that really helps all of us and our children, especially to be able to build those relationships and stand up on behalf of other people. And yeah. I thought that's where the real beauty comes in. I mean, it's nice to do stuff for just my kid, but to see my kid then go out in the world and make a difference is like, yeah. that's the end all be all for me. Yeah. Isn't it a really cool thing of how you've served your family and then it has just permeated, you know, you showed up to serve story. your family and it's just really, um, really spreading. You talked about, um, one of the, one of the things I really got from your website, um, as you talked about going to the ballet, um, and, um, are, would, are you open to sharing that story? Yeah. So I was trying to, um, grapple with the idea of why is it important for my kids to, you know, for representation, what does that mean? And why is it important? And trying to explain it to people. And I found like, rather than me going on and on, I would just share an example. And that is, um, we had two homeschool groups, um, our white homeschool group, we were the only black family in that group. They loved us mightily and hard, you know, all the way until that group ended. But then I had this black homeschool group and all the families were black. And so we went to the, with the white homeschool group to see the Nutcracker at the Atlanta Ballet, which is our top premier ballet company in Atlanta at this fancy old theater downtown. And it was so wonderful. It was this fabulous show. And afterwards, my younger daughter said, oh, mommy, I loved that so much. I want to go see them again. And I was really excited. I felt so good because I was like, she really enjoyed that. And that was kind of the idea. So fast forward, uh, one of the moms in our black homeschool group planned uh, to go see a, a black nutcracker, basically. Um, and all of the ballet dancers and ballerinas are all black and they changed it. It's really culturally relevant, the way the descriptions they use, the music, everything. And it was in this little small theater and all that. It wasn't fancy or anything. And I was like, okay. So we went and when we got in the car, that same daughter, she said, oh my goodness, mommy, I want to be a ballerina. And she started, we put her in ballet class and she danced for wow. years after that. And yeah. I said, that is the power of representation. Not that there was anything evil transacted in the first story. That yeah. was great. She liked it. She wanted to see it again, but she didn't see herself 
being able to be on that stage. And after seeing these representations of herself, she said, oh, I can do that. I will do that. And she did do that. So I think that's kind of where some of those, those are the ideas that started coming forth. And when I was starting in my parenting journey, I did not have the confidence to be able to say things like that out loud. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, some people aren't going to understand, or it's going to seem like I'm trying to be a separatist or something like that. But mm-hmm. once I saw my babies bloom, I was like, I don't care. This is yeah. so great. I've got yeah. to tell people about what's yep. happening. Yeah. So they can be a ballerina if they want to yes. be a ballerina. Yeah. Yes. There's, um, there is this nonprofit, um, not far from us in Ohio called the Footpath Foundation. And they are, um, they're all about getting underserved kids into nature and it's a really cool organization. And, um, so I was talking with one of the founders and, you know, she was saying, it's really opened my eyes, but she was saying that, you know, there's a lot of barriers for kids getting outside, you know, they don't have safe space to go, you know, that, um, you know, some kids haven't been, you know, outside of five miles of their home, you know, that there's these different struggles, but then she said, there's also this struggle of them feeling like they can be there. And she said, you know, they'll take these kids to the park and fishing. And she, she talked about this one boy in particular, he took him to the park, he got to go fishing. He loved it. You know, it was his first time fishing, you know, and he said, can I bring my grandpa back? you know, at this free park. And, and she said he asked so many times cause he just, he didn't have this confidence that he could be there. And he didn't feel like he belonged. Yeah. And yeah. the idea yeah. of having, creating a place to belong, those it's important. It's intentional work. And, and yeah. I understand that so much. I mean, I got those messages a lot. I, I always tell people I was raised in the air conditioning. Um, and so, you know, my foray into nature didn't come until later in life. And early on, um, the messages I got were that those things, doing things outside, whether it's rafting, hiking, those are things white people do. Mm-hmm. It's white. That's white stuff. And so I didn't do it because I'm not white. Um, and it wasn't until I was older and I realized the, the lies that were behind that. And I just, you know, I just like, I'm going to claim this and I fell in love with it and I've been able to share with my kids. And I'm really proud of the idea that my kids don't know anything else. And so I think like there's so much empowerment in the idea that we can change narratives within our homes, like overnight, like you can become the thing that you want. You could start tomorrow building what you know is right for your kids. Yeah. And it's just such an important, you know, important thing for all of us to know that representation matters. And, um, you know, it makes a really big difference, especially for kids, I think, um, in their sort of life experience. So, um, Amber, this has just been a treat uh, beyond treats to just be able to sit and talk with you and um, and and to sort of um, just learn from your family from afar and see all the cool things that you're doing. Uh, if people are interested in finding out more about you, um, about your book that's coming up, uh, your website, just like I said so many times, has so much. You've got book lists and um, book recommendations. You have uh, your Heritage Mom Shop where you have heritage packs. These are, these all sound amazing heritage packs and then sweet tea and cookies, multicultural enrichment guide, heritage hymns, a curated collection of multicultural hymnal studies. So, and then you offer those private phone consultations. Um, Do you want to tell us just a little bit about what you have to offer and where people can find it? 
Oh, yes, definitely. Everything. Um, there's tons. Most of the things on my website are free. Um, and so lots of book ideas and just in general, people that are wanting to hear a conversation from my perspective about my experiences with my kids. Maybe that's something that you can either learn about as kind of a window into how other people live, or maybe you're experiencing that self, you know, that yourself and it would mirror your own experiences. Um, and then the heritage packs, which are lesson guides, multicultural lesson guides that lay out all the books and the page numbers and give you ideas of what you can read each weeks. Basically, I know people are busy. You don't even have to think about it or worry about it. So those are on there as well. Um, and so heritagemom.com and then on Instagram at heritagemomblog, Facebook at heritagemomblog. And then, um, like I said, my book, uh, A Place to Belong, Celebrating Diversity and Kinship in the Home and Beyond. Um, the publisher's Torture Parody. So anywhere books are found, it's there and yep. available. So. It's available as when this post, it's, it's already available for pre-sale. Yeah. So I know that always helps pre-sale, buy it, buy it ahead of time. That really helps the author. And um, so uh, we, we tend to end with a, a favorite outdoor childhood memory. Um, but if you don't have one, uh, I, have, I, or, have, I can come up with something. Okay. Or, or something that you enjoyed, enjoy doing outside with your kids now, uh, okay. maybe a, a favorite memory from, you know, the last 12 years here. Okay. Um, I would say for us, it's definitely camping. Um, and when we go camping, there's a big creek near our favorite place to go. And I mean, big, it's a huge creek. My mom said it's a river. She's like, that's not a creek. But um, we go over there and just <laughs> like... <laughs> I love it. So uh, we set our blankets out. And what I love is about it is we, we know we're going to be there for the whole day. So we got food and drinks and we're just out there on the rocks and the water um, in fellowship. We never go alone, always with other families that we invite with us. And those I know are things we talk about all the time and we don't take many pictures. I can't share much about it because we're too busy enjoying and absorbing um, our environment and the people that we're with. And to me, it's just the ultimate definition of hospitality and community in a beautiful, beautiful space. So that's that's our happy place. I want, we want to come camping with you. That's <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Amber, thank you so much. HeritageMom.com and uh, you definitely got to make sure you're keeping up with Amber. She's got all sorts of amazing things for the world. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me.
Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.